Hello and welcome to the Fun of the Run podcast. I'm Michelle Schroff. A lot of you might know me also as Waddell Running Lady on Instagram. That's where I share all of my running content. I think it's very relatable. I'm not sure what you think, but I share the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the funny things that happen, the devastating things that happen sometimes if, you know, it's not a great run. But the long and short of it is I love talking about running. And so you can find my running content over on Instagram at Waddell Running Lady, where you can also direct message me with comments, questions, or any concerns about this podcast. I have an email dedicated to the podcast as well, and that is funoftherunpodcast at gmail.com. You can always reach out to me there. I love, love, love hearing from you, so don't hesitate to do that. I love talking about running, and that is how this podcast was created, and I just have a lot to say and probably too much to say. So, but if you're here right now listening, I hope it's because you would like to hear the recap of the race I just did two nights ago at the Adrenaline Night Runs 25K. Without further ado, let's get started. So, Aeroviper Running puts on a series of races each summer. Uh, the weather is already in the triple digits here. Today's May 22nd, and I believe it's 100 or 101 for the high today. Not 100% sure, but that's pretty hot, and that's not as hot as it gets, but trying to do a lot of these races in the middle of the day would be difficult. And so Aravipa came up with this genius idea to have races at night, which I think is amazing. And so that series of races is called the Insomniac series and pretty fitting, right? So these races actually start at night and all different kinds of distances from just very short up to the ultra distance. And it's just a fun way for everybody to get together and the racing doesn't have to stop just because it's in the triple digits here. The race I did two nights ago was called the Adrenaline. So every race in the series has a name. So they're Stunner, Sinister, Adrenaline. Um, I can't think of what all the other ones are, so forgive me. But the one I just did was the Adrenaline. And there were five different distances that were offered. So you could run a 6K, a 10K, a 15K, a 25K, or a 50K. And they started anywhere from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. So the longest distance started at 7 p.m. That was the 50K. My race started at 7.15 p.m. These night races are held all over the Phoenix Valley of different Maricopa County regional parks. And so the one I just did a couple nights ago was held at the McDowell Mountain Regional Park. Fun fact about that park is when I did Ragnar last November, it was held at the McDowell Mountain Regional Park. And um, I'll have more to say about that in a minute. But so this race was that I chose to do was 25K. 25K is about 15.5 miles. And I knew going into this race that 15 and a half miles on a trail it's a lot different than 15 and a half miles on the road. And something that I have found to be true for me personally is if I head out for a 10 mile run, if I'm heading out to do that on the road, I can get the same amount of work done 
if I go run maybe anywhere from anywhere about around seven miles on the trail to me is about equal to 10 miles on the road. I mean, it's just, it's just a different animal. And that's, that's at least what I found. I'm not saying that that's true for everybody, but it does seem to be definitely that trail miles are just different than road miles. I mean, a mile is a mile distance wise, but the, the quality of that mile, the, the ups and downs, literally, um, the muscles that are recruited and running a trail versus a road are just very different. And so I knew that going into this, but I wanted to do 25 K. And so I signed up and there I was, right? So I told you, um, that was at McDowell mountain regional park. I live on the other side of the valley near the white tank mountain regional park. So for me to get from my house to the McDowell mountains took a little over an hour. And I wanted to be there at about six o'clock because that's when packet pickup started. And I wanted to get to the race in plenty of time to where I wasn't nervous. And I just get nervous about the logistics of things. And once I'm at the race, I calm down a little bit and it's like, okay, I'm here. You know, I'm not going to be late for the start. I'm not going to miss the start, whatever. That's just how I roll. And so I wanted to get there at six, but that just didn't quite happen. And my daughter got off work and, and I had to go pick her up and this and that and blah, blah, blah and life. And so I got a little bit of a late start, but I still was able to get to the venue and get parked and get, you know, get, get all that stuff done by about 615. And then I was able to go pick up my, my bib and my shirt and whatever else. It was still hot out. It was, I think it was about 97 when the race started and sunset was 727 or something like that. So it was getting really close to the sun going down when we started our race. It was just absolutely beautiful out. And I met up with a few different people before the race started, which was really fun. And so I'm going to just go ahead and share a couple of those interactions real quick if you don't mind. I guess you're kind of a captive audience, right? But you can skip ahead if you wanted to. Anyhow, so the first person that I ended up seeing was Lisa, True Coach Lisa on Instagram. And we saw each other from a distance, waved, you know, and talked for a few minutes. And she told me that um, I should be a comedian. And she she just was super sweet, you know, and, and she was just, she's a very nice person. And I just, I just love her. Well, anyhow, it was really fun getting to meet some of her, her crew and, and some of her people that she trains and all of that. It was awesome. And we were able to get a pic together, which was fun. And then after I talked to her, I ended up meeting with a couple other people that I said, are you Rodell running lady? And I said, yes. And, and so, um, there was a lady that said she had ended up buying the RFP orange mud pack that I was wearing after she saw me wearing it and heard about how well it did for me. And, you know, I'm a bigger girl. And, and so she was like, you know, I think it would fit me too. And she loved it. And that was just super encouraging. And I ended up meeting Veronica Wright's mom and her friend that I can never remember her name. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this, that I don't remember your name, but you're super sweet. Thank you for saying hi to me every time you see me. And I was also able to, it seems like there was somebody else too. 
But right before I was getting ready to just five minutes or so before my race started, I saw Holly and we were able to hurry up and get a picture together under the insomniac sign and, and just wish each other well for our races. And, and it was just fun. It's fun seeing people that, that I know in real life, but also people from Instagram that are just like, Hey, I follow you. And, you know, I love your posts or I love your reels or I love your podcast. Different people, you know, asked about the podcast and it's just fun and just gave me a little bit of boost before my race started. So that was super, super awesome. Okay. So this race, before I tell you, you know, get into the nitty gritty of it, this race for me, since I was doing the 25K, it consisted of two loops. So there was the long loop and the short loop. The long loop was 15K and the short loop was 10K. So I had to run the long loop first and then the short loop. Uh, the people that were running the 50K, they had to run the long loop and then the short loop and then the long loop again and then the short loop again. And, and so, you know, and just same for the other distances, the 15K ran the 15K loop, the 10K racers ran the 10K loop, the 6K, I don't know exactly what they did. They split off at some point on, I, I don't know which trail, but anyhow, the 15K loop I had never done before, but the 10K loop, this is the other fun fact I was going to share is when I did Ragnar at the McDowell Mountains back in November, this short loop, this 10K loop was actually the red loop or the long loop of the Ragnar race. And so I was familiar with this loop. I mean, as much as familiar as you can be if, you know, after running it once, <laughs> but, but I was like, Hey, I kind of know what to expect on, at least on my second loop of this course. And, and when I did Ragnar, um, it was a little bit different and I did the red loop or this 10 K loop during the daytime. And, you know, for sure I was going to be running it at night, um, this time. So there was going to be some differences, but at least I kind of knew what to expect. So that was kind of cool. All right. So it's time to start and I get to the back of the pack before they start us off. I decided early on that I was not going to get in a pack of runners. I decided that I was going to go to the very back and try to be, if not the very last runner across the start line, one of the very last. Because last race I did, I got stuck kind of in a pack and I felt like I was going faster than I wanted to go and it just wasn't, it wasn't sustainable for me. And I eventually had to just kind of drop out of the pack and go off to the side and, and it just made for a, not a great start to the race. And so this time I said, you know, I am doing my own thing. And if I start out towards the back, then I can do my race, my pace and not be stressed. So that's what I did. And I, I thought I was last crossing the start line, but it turns out there were about three people behind me. So once they caught up to me, I kind of stood off to the side to make sure that they would, they would go first. And it's not that I wanted to be last in this race, but I wanted to be able to start out and get my bearings, if that makes sense, and kind of get in a groove. And if I passed people, fine. If I didn't, fine. But I wanted to be able to know that I was running my best, if that makes sense. So right off the bat, this felt hard. And why? I, I don't know. And I still, I still do not know why 
it felt so hard just off the bat, except I, I did not do what I tell everybody else to do. I did not do my warm up drills that I typically do. I knew that I would be, I walked around a lot before the race started, probably, I mean, a long time back and forth, back and forth, which I t- typically walk for five minutes when I start running anyway. So I thought, okay, I'm getting all this walking in and I know that I'm going to be, you know, power hiking these, these hills and running the flats and the downs. And so I just neglected the warm up, and maybe that's the answer right there for why this felt so hard, but it just felt hard immediately. And so I was just like, okay, well, whatever, you know, it's going to get better as the miles go on. I'll get warmed up and I'll start feeling better as, as this goes on. I'm not going to worry about this right now. It never, the first mile never feels good, at least for me. So I'm running along and I'm, I can't help taking a picture here and there because this park is beautiful. If you've never been to the McDowell Mountain Regional Park, I hope you can visit it someday because it's so beautiful and the mountains in the background and it's just, it's amazingly beautiful, especially this time of day at sunset. Gorgeous. So anyhow, I took a few selfies and then made my way along the trail. Well, I knew in my head that the 15K runners started at 7.30. So that only gave me 15 minutes, you know, without more runners coming up behind me. And so I knew that I calculated on, you know, I looked at my watch and I'm like, okay, in about 23 minutes from the start, when my watch says 23 minutes, the first 15K runner is going to pass me. I just thought that was just guessing. And sure enough, it was like 22 something on my watch. And the first um, two runners of the 15K passed me and it was a woman first and then a man. And I was like, yep, I sure called that one. And meanwhile, I'm just putzing along doing, you know, doing the best I can. And they're, they're just speeding by. So at this point in the race, I would say, especially from, and at that point I was, how far in was I? Um, I was maybe a mile and a half in. I can't quite remember how far in I was. No, I don't think I was a mile and a half. Maybe I was over a mile, but I knew that from this point on, I was going to get past a lot because these fast 15K runners were going to all catch up to me. And so that's what happened for the next about mile and a half is there would be these long trains of sometimes 10 runners at a time. They would, they would need to pass because I was going slower than them. And this was single track trail and which means there's really only room for one person at a time. So I would step off and let 10 people pass and then I would step back on and start running again. And then I would hear more people coming up and see this long train of runners. I would step off and let them pass. This happened for a good, probably mile and a half, I would say. And while this is all happening, you know, it's dark, it's getting dark now. And so everybody has their headlamps on. And so at one point I'm up on, up on a hill and I stopped to try to get a picture of the moon, I think. And so I'm, I'm facing the, the runners that are coming behind me. So I'm, I'm, my camera's facing them and they must've seen a flash or something. So I hear some upcoming runners and they said, look, there's the camera. We're coming up to the camera. Um, either And then someone else goes, well, either that or someone going, you know, taking a bathroom break. 
And so I said, no, I'm not taking a bathroom break. It, you know, it's just me. I'm not a photographer, but I'm also not taking a bathroom break. I'm just trying to get a picture of the moon. And and so they just laughed and, and came running by me and said, well, we were going to give you a big smile, you know. And, and so that was just a funny thing that happened. Well, about, I don't know, a couple miles in, and I can't remember exactly, but Holly came running up next to me. And she was doing the 15K and she's like, hey, how you doing? And I think she got a picture of us running or something. And and um, we talked for a few seconds and and then she went on her way. And then shortly after that, uh, true coach Lisa came up behind me and I said, I told you you would catch up to me. And and we chatted for a second. And then she's like, OK, the downhill's my jam. And so she started running downhill and I followed her. But it was just fun seeing different people. Uh, you know, along the course, even if they were dusting me and passing me, it was fun. But I was out here just feeling like, okay, you know, I'm still at this point, I'm about three miles in and it's dark and most people have passed me. Most, um, there were still people that would come up behind, but the long trains of runners were gone by now. And I was able to just pretty much do my own thing. But I knew that there was an aid station coming up. I wasn't exactly sure where it was, but I started having to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man, well, I'm going to try to just hold off as long as I can. And I had already gone before the race started, like, at least twice, once in a J. John and once in an actual um, the park facility bathroom. So I had already gone a couple of times, but yet here I am having to go again. It was just kind of frustrating. But anyways... I held on and just like, I can wait, you know, I'll try to wait. And I'm running along and I'm listening to basically true crime podcast. And it was not, I think it was called Hearts Hearts Start Pounding or something like that. I can't quite remember the name of the podcast, but it's basically, she reads stories of things that happened in the past, like sometimes there are murders that are unsolved or sometimes they are solved or sometimes people, um, they're kind of scary stories. It's kind of scary stories mixed with true crime, I guess is what I would call it. So I'm listening to this, right. And it's dark and I'm by myself and (laughs) I am wearing a waist light. So keep that in mind because that comes, that comes into play in a few miles. I'm wearing this waist light. It's called a 180, highly recommended, I feel like it shows me so much more of the trail than, than just a headlamp does. I feel like it just, the light just is wider and extends far, farther than a typical headlamp. And so I love my 180 waist belt. So I'm wearing that and I'm listening to scary stuff, like I told you, and it's, it's dark. Um, at this point, I was not in my head. I was just like, I'm out here. This is cool. You know, I'm looking at my watch to see how far I've got to go. And and I'm just like, okay, you know, and I want to finish in six hours or less. And I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of doing it, you know, and it still feels hard. Like I still have not gotten into my groove yet. And I still don't understand why. And I'm doing the best I can. Nothing is really hurting. Nothing is bothering me or, you know, there's no issues, but I'm just not feeling like, I'm just feeling kind of wimpy and like this shouldn't feel as hard as it feels, if that makes sense. Well, I get to the aid station at 
five miles in, I think. And this aid station was the only like fully stocked aid station um, out on the course. They had a fully stocked one at the start finish area, but this was the only one out on the actual course and it was on the 15K loop. So I, I think I got some cold water and grabbed a bag of chips that I never ended up eating and then just made my way through the aid station. And meanwhile, I really have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, well, there's nowhere to go around here. You know, I just, I don't want these aid station dudes to see me go to the bathroom. So I've got to skedaddle, you know, a ways down this, this trail here before I pick a spot. And so I keep on going and, and there's a few people that pass me. Um, but maybe one or two, you know, at this point, I'm pretty much on my own on this particular loop. So I would say I went another good half mile, maybe farther until I decide there's no one in front of me. There's no one behind me. I don't see any lights. There's no headlamps approaching. I don't hear any voices. I can't see the aid station. This is a good place to go ahead and take a pit stop. So I barely, and I, I, I stress this. I barely stepped off the trail. I mean, just barely, like the slightest step. I stepped off the trail and I turned my waist light off and I did my business and I turned my waist light back on and I was lost. I somehow just that 30 seconds or whatever that I had my light off, I did not know where I was. And I, I thought I knew where I didn't realize I was lost. Okay. I'll just say that I'm saying that now because I knew I, now I knew I was at that second. I didn't realize I was. So I just stood up and turned my light on and started walking the direction I thought I was supposed to go. And there was some sand and some like washy areas, which that was legitimately part of the trail. Um, some of the time, but I ended up just walking in a totally random direction that was not the way I was supposed to be running. And I will say this, for some reason, this course, and I've talked to others too, so this is not just me dissing um, the race organizers or anything. I'm not trying to do that, but this course did not seem to be as well marked as other Aravipa races I've run. I, I felt like, I felt like part of the reason why I didn't realize I was lost at first is because this is how the trail had been all along is you would go a really long ways before seeing a trail marker. And so what Aravipa does for trail markers, well, they do a couple of things. They have these flags that are orange, kind of a fluorescent orangey that they will plant in the literal ground to kind of show you which way to go. But more so than that, they have these markers that they hang in like trees or bushes and they kind of, they're almost like ribbons that, that they tie on and they're reflective. And, but I felt like this race in particular, we would go a really long ways before I would see those. And, and so at first I didn't realize I was lost because I was used to not seeing a trail marker for a really long time. So I keep walking, 
what I, you know, in the direction I think is the right way. And it's quiet and it just keeps getting a little bit weirder though, because this wash turns into a deeper wash and just more rugged and not, not really a trail. And I was like, I don't know. So I started kind of questioning it, but the straw that broke the camel's back or what sealed the deal for me was I came to a place where I couldn't go any farther unless I, I either stepped over or stomped basically this big, dry, huge kind of tree branch thing that was blocking the path. And of course, I realized that there were hundreds of people ahead of me in this race. They would have all had to come this way if this was truly the right trail. And there's no way that this dry, brittle branch would not be trampled and broken. And it wouldn't just be laying there, you know, almost up to my waist, blocking my path. So I'm obviously going the wrong way. And at this point, I just, I'm looking around and, and I don't have a clue what to do. There's no markings. I'm in this deep sandy wash, brushy trees on either side of me, this junky, broken, dry branch tree thing blocking my path. And I look up and I don't see headlamps, the light from the aid station. Um, I don't really see anything. And so I don't know what to do. And I had been walking at this point. I was walking because I didn't know where I was going. And I certainly wasn't going to be running down pell-mell down some path. So I was walking and I decided, okay, well, I don't really know how to get back to the trail, but I do know that if I just turn around completely in the opposite direction and head back, I'll at least be closer than I am now. And so I just made a complete U-turn and started walking back the other direction. Keep in mind that this was a pretty moonless night. I mean, this was not one of those nights where the moon is bright and glowing and and one of those kind of nights. There was barely a moon and it was really dark. I did have my waist light on, like I mentioned earlier, but you know, other than that, that was it. And so at, I'm trying to make my way through, like I said, this pretty deep sand and this wash and I bump up against this like dry, brittle tree and this huge bird flies out and I did not see the bird, but I heard the bird and it's like squawking and, ah, you know, flies out of this tree because I'm sure it wasn't expecting some random weird runner lady to bump into it and, you know, in the middle of the night. And that freaked me out. I just kept going and kept walking the way that I thought maybe I was supposed to walk. So at some point, I start realizing that this could potentially be a bad situation. I'm in the middle of the desert. I don't see any other headlamps. I don't hear any voices. I don't see an aid station light. It's just me. And I start realizing that, you know, sometimes bad things do happen. You know, people do get lost during races. People do get lost in the middle of the desert. And what if I die out here? And I know it sounds funny, but it wasn't funny at the time. I'll just tell you that. I started getting nervous because at this point it had been, 
I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to say. It had been not just a couple minutes or not just a few seconds. This was a significant amount of time, at least to me. And I was starting to get nervous. And so, of course, I started praying and I'm like, Lord, help me, you know, help me to get out of this and please help me to be able to find the trail or the aid station or something. And I just was, I was just frustrated with myself too, of course, that I lost the trail, but I also was frustrated because there were no trail markers. Well, whatever. So anyhow, I just kept going and, and there was a couple of places in this wash where you could go either direction and I truly didn't know what to do. Do I go left or right? Because they didn't lead to the same place. Thankfully, I just happened to look over and I saw what looked like a trail and I made my way out of the wash and I stepped onto the trail and there was some climbing involved. I think I had to climb up out of the wash if I remember correctly and I got onto this trail and I looked ahead of me and I looked behind me and I'm like, well, I don't see any course markings, but this is definitely a trail and it's definitely better to get on a marked trail than to be off, you know, making my own. And so I stepped back onto the trail and just started making my way again. At this point, um, I'm looking for course markings because I, I need to find a course marking. I need to know if I'm going the right way before I start running again, because I don't want to just start running and expend energy if I'm still lost. And so I finally realized if I look down at my feet, you know, and I can probably see if a bunch of other people have passed by this way. I did that and I did see a lot of other foot footsteps which made me feel better. And eventually I did see a course marker and I knew that I was back on track. So the sense of relief, um, let me just tell you, was real. Okay. So this cost me this detour. Okay. This little pit stop detour where I stepped off the path. It cost me from my estimates, um, looking at my watch and my mileage after the race, Anywhere from half a mile to 0.70 miles is what that detour cost me. And I was really feeling discouraged at that moment because I, I realized that I'm going to be behind. And I had a goal that I, I think I already mentioned this earlier. My goal was to finish this race in six hours or less. I, every trail is different and every race is different, different. And I had never raced 25 K before. And so I didn't know how quickly I could cover this, this particular terrain, you know, even though, yes, it's, you know, I've done more than 15 and a half miles. I've done more than 25 K, but every race, every, every course is different. So I really didn't know, but I wanted to hit that six hour goal. And now in my mind, I'm thinking I'm never going to hit six hours now. I just lost time and I probably would have barely made it to begin with. And now I'm probably not even going to be able to do it. And I started getting kind of emotional and I even considered turning around and walking back to the aid station and giving them my bib and just saying, I'm done. You know, I'm, I, cause I was just discouraged and I just, I was close to tears, but I never, I never really cried or anything, but I was feeling emotional and I was just disappointed in myself for getting lost. And maybe this wasn't my night. 
And I am happy to say that it did not take me very long to get past that point. I told myself that I had time to finish these miles. Um, they were still going to pe- be people at that finish line until five in the morning. And not that I wanted to take that long, but that, come on, Michelle, you know, six hours is your goal. It's not somebody else telling you that you have to finish this race in six hours. No one else told you that you'll be a loser if you don't finish in six hours. No one is making you do this in six hours. That's your own personal goal. And there is literally no reason why you can't just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep doing this. And and so it was almost like I kind of snapped out of it and then just kept going on my way. So I did. I ran when I could. I did a lot of walking. There was a lot more uphill on this particular loop than I had heard there was going to be. And and so there was a lot more walking um, because I walk the uphills. So anyhow, back to back to what we're doing. So I was listening to this scary true crime podcast, like I told you, right? And I'm running along and there was some particularly scary part and I don't remember what it was or else trust me, I would tell you, but there was this particular scary part that happened. And just at that moment, my waist light just died. And I'm only three hours and 45 minutes. No. Yeah. I think I was three hours and 45 minutes into this race and waist lamps are supposed to last longer than that. To my knowledge, I've, I, I really was expecting it to last a lot longer and it didn't for whatever reason. And so of course I'm like, Ooh, it's a ghost, you know, maybe I shouldn't be listening to this scary stuff and, you know, freaked myself out. So I just, well, but some like, no, that's stupid. So I pushed the button again and the light came on and I kept making my way. Well, then just a few steps down the road, the light went out again. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know? So I turned it back on, kept going. And it did this so many times. It was so frustrating because I could barely take two steps and the light would go out again. So I jiggled the wires because this waist belt has like a, it has a little, I don't know what you would call it, but kind of like a little power cord that you plug in to the, to like this battery pack almost. And I plugged it in to make sure that, okay, you know, is this, not connecting or is there an issue um, with it getting power or what's what's the problem? It was nothing like that. It just would not stay on. So thankfully, I brought a headlamp as well. I will just admit right here that although Ragnar required me to wear a headlamp, I did not use my headlamp during Ragnar. I used my waist belt. And so I had never run with a headlamp before as far as having to depend on it for light. Well, that was my initiation into running with a headlamp because I had no choice. I had no light. So I turned my headlamp on and tried to figure it out how to do it and how to adjust it and, and how to run with a headlamp because it was totally different than what I'm used to. My waist light shows so much more of the trail than this headlamp did. So I turned the headlamp on and I'm, I'm running, I'm running to that. So, um, I think, so I said that was three hours and 45 minutes in, right? So when that happened, I actually was not still on 
the 15K loop now that I think of it. I had already passed the start finish area again and went out for my second loop. So the second loop was a shorter loop and it was, it was 10K. And this particular loop had, and I knew this from, from doing it before during Ragnar, it has a mile and a half climb and it's pretty much at the beginning of the, of the loop. And so I knew that I would be power hiking my way for a mile and a half without, without a break, like without, it's not like, oh, it gets, you know, there's a little bit of downhill. No, it's, it's uphill for a mile and a half. And so I knew that. And so I'm out here and the funny thing about this is you kind of make a turn and then, you know, after you make this turn, you're heading up for the mile and a half of climbing. Well, when I headed up and started climbing, I was passed by one, two, I believe three people total, one woman and two men. And that was it. That those were the only people that I saw for the next maybe two hours. Nobody. There was nobody behind me. I, I couldn't. There were different times in the race. Like I could look out and I could see headlamps like in the distance, like off on another trail somewhere. So maybe they were like the 50K runners or something. But there was nobody behind me on the trail. And if I looked ahead, there was nobody ahead of me either. As far as my eye could see in front or behind, I was alone. And so with the whole headlamp situation, waste light situation, I kind of got spooked and I was like, okay, it's probably not smart to be listening to like scary stuff when I'm out in the middle of the desert alone <laughs> and there's not even any, any, but any headlamp in sight. And so I turned off the scary stuff and I turned on my running playlist of music, which is much, much, um, less scary. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And that's what I listened to. <laughs> for the rest of the race was my music. Well, anyhow, if I listened to music, sometimes I just didn't listen to anything except the nature around me. There was a lot of crickets and, and, um, just different things that you could hear your, the sound of your own footsteps is kind of a cool thing to listen to sometimes too, but okay. So that's besides the point. So I do this whole mile and a half climb by myself, no one around, no one behind me, no one in front of me. There's a point about maybe three miles before the race ends that everybody joins on the same course. And so on the same trail, I'm sorry. So it doesn't matter if you're, which loop you're running, they both kind of feed into this, this little part of a trail. And that takes you the last couple of miles and into the finish. So it wasn't until I hit that part of the trail where it combined with the other trail that I started seeing people again and, and they were still sparse. Um, and, but at least I knew that there were other people out there. And I will say that I'm not scared of the dark. And if I was, I don't think I would be able to do a night race, but I, I'm not, I'm not scared of the dark, but I will tell you that there were several times in this particular night where I heard stuff running next to me in the desert. And my husband was teasing me when I got home about skinwalkers. It wasn't skinwalkers, okay? But I heard things and I would I would be like, I, I, I run with aftershocks. So I guess they're shocks now, not aftershocks. But I that's the type of, of 
head headphones that I wear and they are bone conduction. So they do not go, there's nothing in my ear canal. They're, they're over my ears. And so I can still hear things around me, even though I'm listening to music or a podcast or whatever. So I'm trudging along and I hear things in the desert. Okay. Like I said, I would hear stuff running next to me and I would look to see, well, maybe my skirt is brushing like these dry bushes that I'm running next to or something. Or sometimes I would hear what I know was an animal. And I'm thinking, okay, what if, what am I going to do if this huge like bobcat jumps out or, and attacks me on the trail? And I guess someone will eventually come along and, and discover my bloody body laying here or something. And so these kind of things did go through my head, but I really, most of the time was not scared. I actually really love running at night on the trails and seeing the stars. And it's actually a really, really cool experience, despite everything I'm telling you right now. It was actually really fun. But I did see um, several animals. I saw a bunny and I saw some mice and I saw a dead something laying in the middle of the trail that looked like maybe a dead bloody guinea pig. That's gross, but that's what it looked like to me. And I saw this little lizard crossing the path. It looked like a lizard, but I don't think it had legs. And it looked like it was moving like a snake, but like super fast. It was really weird looking. I have no clue what it was. And yeah, it was just very interesting. Okay, so I am, during most of this race, I'm doing pretty well, like mentally. And I knew that I was going to be out here until at least probably about one in the morning. I just went into this race knowing that ahead of time. So I would from time to time think, well, what's my family doing right now? So one time I FaceTimed my husband and this was about 10.30, 10.45 p.m. And he was at home with my daughter and her boyfriend and my other son. And they were sitting around playing games and they had already been to Dutch Bros for coffee and they had went out to eat Mexican food and they're just having all this fun time. And I'm out here like, you know, being scared of the boogeyman. And my husband said, he's like, are you afraid of the skinwalkers? Or, and I said, no, I'm not. I said, but I just, I got lost. And, and what if I can't do this? And, and he's like, whatever, you know, he, you could tell he was just like, whatever, come on, this is ridiculous. And so, you know, I, I said hi to everybody and, you know, I loved him or whatever, hung up. And then at one point I thought, you know what, they are having fun and I'm not there, but guess what? I'm having fun too. This is my own type of fun. And so there were a couple of times when I was out there alone and I could not see any, any other headlamps ahead or behind that I told myself, look at this, look at me. You know, I, I am, I am pretty much sure that I'm last. I won't be the last runner out here because there are people running longer than I am, but I think I'm last in the 25 K and I was feeling kind of sad. And then I thought, wait a minute, I am almost 49 years old. I didn't start running until I was 44. What kind of person purposely signs up for a race at night comes out here and sticks to it and keeps going even after she got lost. What kind of person, you know, sticks to running for five years in a row and, and realizes that, you know, she's not the best and she's not the fastest. And, but yet, you know, she's out here doing something like this. What kind of person does this? And I thought, me, I'm the kind of person that does this. I'm out here doing something that I love and who cares if I am last? 
I am one of those people. I am doing this and I am strong and and I'm going to finish this race. And it doesn't matter if I'm last. The only one that that cares about that is me. You know, nobody else is going to criticize me for coming in last. And so I just encouraged myself like that in my mind and just thought, you know, I will get to the finish if I just can keep going. If I can just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you guys, I ran when I could. There were some times where I just was like, I'm going to walk this part. I, I need to walk this portion. And I would walk and that was fine. Other parts, I'm like, man, this feels good. And I would just run. And this is so funny, but I told Holly this last night. I said, I did not get into my groove until 14 miles in to this race. And I am not even exaggerating a bit. For some reason, it took me until 14 miles. And then I was like, this is amazing. And I was just running along. Whatever. Okay, I'm weird. I don't know why and I can't explain it, but that's what happened to me. So I finally realized I'm almost done with this thing. You know, I'm at 14 miles. I've got less than two miles to go. And it was just like, it just got better from there. It just got better and better the farther I, I went. It didn't matter if there was a downhill or an uphill or what there was. I was just loving, loving it. It was amazing. And it was just great. It was so much fun. It was beautiful. I felt privileged to be out there doing something that I love so much. And it wasn't too long until I heard the music at the finish area. And I crossed the finish line there, you know, when it's 1.13 in the morning, there are not a lot of people out. This race had a beer garden. The beer garden was closed, which I don't drink beer anyway, so that didn't bother me. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is there were not a lot of people. There were a few people waiting for their 50K runners. Um, there were obviously some staff, some race staff still there. There were still people manning the aid station at the start finish area. But there were not a ton of people. And so I thought, okay, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of people cheering me and I'm going to cheer myself in. And I want people to know that I did this and, and I want them to be ready to take my picture, you know. And so I start coming in, I round the corner and I just started going, woohoo! And I just started cheering myself in. And I said, I did it, you know, yes. And, and I started pumping my arms and and I, I don't know why I'm crying, you guys. But I was so proud of myself. I've run longer distances. I've run harder races. But for some reason, every finish line is a gift. And I felt that. And I wanted to celebrate that I did another amazing job, even though it wasn't the best. I'm not the best runner and I've never claimed to be. But anyhow, so I said, woo. And, and so once I started yelling and stuff, then the other people that were around, they started too. And they all started cheering me in and yoo-hoo, and, you know, and, and screaming and stuff. And so, and then they took my picture and then it was awesome. And um, I crossed the, the finish line and I stopped my watch. I remembered this time. And I went and claimed my medal, which I had a choice between a medal or a glass. And I chose a medal. I'll always choose the medal if I get it, if I have the option. 
I chose the metal. I went and talked to my friend at the aid station there. And I just felt like a million bucks. And like I said, there was there were not a lot of people around, but I felt like a rock star. I felt like a million bucks. I've said that so many times, but it's true. Even though this was not the fastest race, this was not the longest race I've ever done, I felt amazing. And so I'm going to share a little bit more if you don't mind. So um, talked to a couple people at the aid station. Mike was there. I know Mike. We talked and he asked how long of a drive I had home. I told him about an hour. And, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, someone said, well, maybe you want to take a nap before you leave. And I said, I'm awake now. I'm completely awake now. Cross the finish line. I, I am good to go. And so I ended up... Um, I don't know, getting some cold water to drink and, you know, using the restroom one more time, hopped in my car. So let me share something that I for, I forgot to tell you um, before I crossed that finish line. About a mile to a half mile before um, I got to the finish line. Now, remember, I didn't know exactly when I was going to hit the finish line because I got lost. So I knew that my mileage was not going to match up with the on-course mileage. I, I knew there was no way. And so I wasn't quite sure exactly how much farther I had to go, but I knew it wasn't very far. And about a mile in, a mile from the finish, I realized that my six-hour goal was still within reach and that I could come in possibly just under six hours. And so I kept looking at my watch, running along, almost tripping and dying, you know, 37 times because my headlamp um, you know, if you're looking at your watch, you can't see what's in front of you on the trail. But anyways, I kept, you know, running. And so I'm running this whole, this whole last mile, basically. And I kept checking and yes, I think I can still do it. And I would think the finish line was just around this bend and it wasn't. And then I would think it was around the next bend and it wasn't, but I'm like, I can still make it. And as I saw the finish line and I looked down at my watch, I knew I was 100% going to make my goal. And I was ecstatic. And so that was another reason why I was like, woohoo, yeah. Because I made my goal, and, which was completely awesome. So after I um, talked to Mike at the aid station and all that kind of thing, got in my car and started driving home, I just kind of started decompressing a little bit. I got hungry immediately. Nothing is open at 1.13 in the morning. And so I dug in my pack and found some goldfish that I had brought. I ate that whole Ziploc full of goldfish on the way home. And, you know, that that tied me over for a little bit. But I ended up getting home at 2.30 in the morning. And I was so hungry, but I was so tired. So I ended up just, I don't recommend this, but I just popped in two. I had found two little cheese cubes, threw them in my mouth, a couple of crackers and dip. I took a couple of sips of, of something fizzy, like it was like a lemonade carbonated drink. And I took a couple sips of that, jumped in the shower, jumped into bed at three and could not sleep. I could not sleep. I think I was so wound up from the race that I couldn't sleep, which is just ridiculous, right? Um, the, the bad thing about that is I had to be up at 720 in the morning because of church and responsibilities that I had that day. And so I had about four hours that I could sleep, but I 
couldn't sleep. <laughs> and so I was so tired when I got up. And Sundays are supposed to be, they're always my rest days from running, but they're not really rest days because I would say basically we leave for church about nine in the morning. We get home around 1230 or one, depends on what we do or if we go out to eat. And then we're back at the church anywhere from between four and five. Um, and then we're there until maybe 8, 8.30, and then we get home around 9 or 10, depending if we stop anywhere. So my entire day is church on Sunday. <laughs> and so that was true yesterday as well. So bed at 3, up at 7.20, but not much sleep. Went to church. I was able to get an 80-minute nap in the afternoon, which did help. <laughs> and then back to church. And so today, which is Monday, I have four miles on schedule and I'm not running five, four miles today. My legs are not ready. Um, I don't feel super sore, but I do feel more sore after this race than I typically do after trail race. I'm not sure why Holly and I were discussing it. There's something about that course that, that did us, that did us in. I don't know what it was, but I, I, I'm not going to run today. There's nothing wrong with me taking an extra rest day. And I will run tomorrow instead. Tomorrow is supposed to be a rest day. So I'm switching them. I'm going to run tomorrow. And other than that, I feel great. So I just hope that you enjoyed my recap. One last fun fact. So I went to the Aravipa website and I went to the results page. And guess what? I did make my goal five hours and 58 minutes and 10 seconds. But guess what else? I was last. I was dead last in the 25K distance. The person that finished ahead of me was like over an hour ahead. But can I just be very honest with you right here? It doesn't bother me even one little teeny bit. I am so happy with my finish time, I went in with a goal of six hours and I beat that goal. And I don't care if six hours was slow for some people and, you know, their goal, if their goal was four and they beat theirs then good for them, mine was six and I beat it. So I'm proud of that. I'm happy with it. And I don't care that I was last. Somebody has to be last. Do I want to be last? No. And do I want to be last in every race? No, absolutely not. But it was my turn this time. And guess what? I'm still a winner. I'm still a winner. And you are a winner too. So don't ever let anybody tell you differently. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Fun of the Run podcast, my recap of the Adrenaline Night Run 25K. I am so glad that you came along to listen. And it just makes me so happy when I get comments and, and, emails and messages from you saying that you enjoyed an episode. It just makes my whole day. So keep on sending the messages. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and I hope that you'll join me next time.